The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM, Destination Unknown. We had him on the show recently, and what was very clear was that we just needed more time to talk to him. Dr. Sapiwa Mahala is uh, an extraordinarily prolific writer, novelist, playwright, and as I mentioned, um, he works in so many different genres and forms. To my mind, what we could call a modern-day renaissance man. What does that mean? We'll talk about that in a short while. Sapiwa, if I may call you Sapiwa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, <laughs> this is my very first in-studio interview in over Ooh, two years. <laughs> we love it. Thank you so much. What a freaking delight it is to have you in the studio. We always ask our guest the first question, Zonke, the choice of uh, your songs. Why Zonke? Zonke Uyanditanda, oh well, I, I love Zonke's music, love. Uh, that one's for sure, um, but Uyanditanda, you know, it's all about the love, I've mm. been receiving so much love um, <laughs> over the past year, and I really, really appreciate it. You certainly have been receiving love, but I think that you're receiving the love for an incredible amount of hard work. And before we go into the details, let's look at the broad. I mentioned a modern-day Renaissance man, and the reason I do that is because what is very clear is that your interest is incredibly diverse. Um, you're like a tree with so many different branches, and each one is bearing very different fruit, plays, poetry, uh, books which are about research. But what is that in you? Is that, what is that drive? Where does it come from? Does it come from your family? What's your background in terms of that desire? Well, it doesn't come from my family at all, but um, my family is responsible for uh, giving me exposure to, to stories. I, um, you know, I grew up in the oral tradition of, uh, you know, um, telling oral stories. I was exposed to books at a very early age, um, well, even before I started school. So I, my interest in books was drawing, you know, I was in, attracted to images. Mm. And by the time I was in primary school, I was already sketching uh, what you'd call picture stories, mm. you know. Um, and then um, when I went to university, naturally, I went straight for literature. Yeah. I, I studied literature uh, at the University of Forte, did creative writing at, at Rhodes and then at Vitz. And, yeah, that's been my life. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm interested in how you talk about going for literature, but starting with um, the idea of drawing things. I mean, and, and yesterday we were talking to the musician Tandi Ntuli about how she uses storytelling and narratives in the work that she's doing as a musician. And then I think about how we were talking to a scientist a little, not a scientist, a, a professor a little earlier about the fact that actually when we look at the scientific pictures of the James Webb, it takes us back into what is, in fact, around the arts. It's around creativity because suddenly you see images that you need to use your imagination. Is it imagination? Is it curiosity? Where, what is the seed of all of that? Yes, it's definitely imagination. I, I talk, for instance, about oral narratives. Oral narratives, um, you have your grandmother talking there mm. and you already imagine the stories that she's talking about when she's talking about a zombie, for instance. You even get scared, yep. you know, uh, when she talks about... Um, uh, uh, small, uh, you know, tiny animals. Uh, you you sympathize <laughs> with them. So it's all the process of imagination. And, and I must say also, it helped a great deal that I, I, I was born and grew up in Makanda. I, I, I've been attending the National Arts Festival since I was, um, since I was 13. And, you know, uh, so 
going there, seeing plays all the time also yeah. really inspired me to say one day I, I want uh, to, to produce, I want to be the festival. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always think that you wanted to be performing at the festival? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when we grew up, um, what I never really appreciated is the fact that uh, many of us from the township, when we went to the festivals, um, it's either you thought about working uh, in the stands, in the flea market, uh, about uh, being a car guard. Yeah. My, my own father, I mean, worked uh, uh over time because he had a job during the day uh, he worked at this SG which is the host for the jazz festival yes so yeah. he would to to get extra income he would work at night at the festival probably as a security guard yeah you know but um i, I wanted to dream beyond my father you know i i wanted to to be the festival and not just to be part of the of the collateral, if I may put it that and way. And you certainly uh, this year have like been there in a major kind of way with, of course, with your play uh, Bloke and his American Bonte. I do have to say is that my first time at the festival um, was uh, it was sort of my matric and then university years as as an actress. And then I realized quite obviously I didn't want to be on that stage at all. I wanted to be on the other side. So you got things onto the stage. I moved right off and away. So. Oh, wow. Well, well I actually, it, it was my second um, uh, a play uh, performed at the festival. Uh, in, um, House of Truth. Yeah, in, 29, in 2016, yeah, we premiered the House of Truth there, uh, which, which was performed to sold-out houses. Yeah. Yep. And performing again. So I want to take us on to a very weird, weird deviation, if I may. And you mentioned your family. You mentioned coming from Makanda. And I'm going to deviate to this, and then we'll come back to you as the artist and the creative. But... We, we heard today about the passing of Jesse Duarte. And one of the things I've been thinking about the whole morning, having heard people speak about her and that kind of thing, is they say that blood is thicker than water. But I think what happens if you make a political party your family? So maybe they may not literally be your family, but they do become as thick as water. And then I wonder what happens if you feel betrayed by your family, as I'm sure some members of political parties do at certain times. And we've seen this in the UK, we could see that here. When we talk about family and we talk about friends, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> talk to us about what that, how that rings for you as a creative, as a writer, as a researcher, as a man who looks back to his family as well. Yeah, first of all, I must um, convey my condolences mm. to uh, Jesse Duarte's family, uh, as well as the ANC. Um, well, I, I have known about uh, Jesse Duarte since the 90s. I think she, mm. she worked closely with uh, the late President Mandela at, at the time. And, um, you know, I, I've seen her around. And at the same time, I had the privilege of working closely with uh, uh, Professor Kyorapes Hotzile. Uh, who spent many of his years in, uh, in, in exile. What he used to say is that when he left uh, South Africa, he was 21. And then when he came back, he was in his 50s. So yeah. the ANC became his family. So these are the people who really sacrificed their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, to, 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 to fight for our liberation. And uh, obviously you, your comrades become your family. Mm. And this is something that I learned, for instance, um, about uh, Bloke Motisane as I write about yes. him, you know, in, in my investigations to 
I, I try to understand human stories because we know the struggle, but the, the human struggles that they, 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 they encounter along the yeah. way, um, we, we often um, uh, overlook those. And the pressures that you know, they face even now, I mean, the, the ANC of today is not the same ANC uh, of, uh, as a liberation movement. Mm. You know, it's, it's a ruling party. There are all sorts of uh, uh, benefits and complexes, uh, complexities that um, particularly an office bearer like uh, the secretary and the deputy secretary general mm. face. You know, um, I, I, I heard uh, Samgele earlier yeah. talking about how she, she snapped at some point uh, and then she came back and apologized and yeah. explained that you know, I, was, I was going through this. And you I, never I, hear those stories. Yeah, you never hear those stories. And mm. um, this to me shows that we are dealing with a human being. Mm. You know, I've been trying to find out, uh, and really, if any of our listeners know, if we could, I would love to know when um, Ms. Duarte first started in politics. And the reason I raise that is I'm thinking about Mum Sophie de Bruyne mm-hmm. and how she started at such a young age. I mean, literally 13, 14 the seeds of that and what it then becomes. And we can look at that in, in relation to, to people like um, Cantember, who, fascinating, but who? what are those seeds that plant and then grow, you know? Mm-hmm. What do they become? And where do they come from? And what age do they start? I mean, you started drawing it like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, um, you, you talk about Cantember, for instance. Um, you know, so much has been written about Ken Temba. We know Ken Temba of the suit. We know Ken Temba of drum. But mm. where did it all begin? So that was my interest uh, in, in my research. That's why I, I went back to say, where was he born? Where did he grow up? Yeah. And there's hardly anything written about Ken Temba's uh, you know, upbringing. And that's why I discovered that actually, um, you know, a, a certain uh, reverend, picked up that, uh, you know, that this young boy is brilliant. He has great potential. So he was sent to a boarding school uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in, 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 in Limbobo um, where he studied and then he, he won the, uh, the, the very first, the inaugural Mendy Memorial Scholarship yes. and then went to Fort Hare. And then I looked at what he studied at Fort Hare. You know, um, he was at Fort Hare with... Uh, the likes of uh, Dennis Brutus, for instance, yes. and it shows you, you know, the, the kind the of caliber. Inca- yeah, mm. and also if you look at uh, Ken Temba and Dennis Brutus, that these guys used to publish in what was called the Fortarian or Senk. Mm. Uh, these are two uh, student journals that were literary in their nature, and then there were, were other students, like uh, if you look at uh, Robert Sobukwe. Yes. Uh, who was publishing in Beware. They were all students at Forte at the same time. But you can see that what they were destined for, Dennis Brutus and Ken Temba became literary giants. Uh, uh, Sobukwe became, you know, a political activist. You know, it, 
it talks to such an ecosystem of 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 how creativity and politics and science and all of those things we always try to silo them but actually when you think about it the fact that they all connect on so many different levels absolutely absolutely you know you know there was there were so many things that you spoke about uh, in the book which which made me think a lot about i mean i didn't know for example he was a highly political person but he wasn't a member of a political party and we forget that and i think a lot of the people that we recognize today are highly political but we don't see them necessarily i'm thinking of sungezo zibi and the rivonia club and not the rivonia circle mm-hmm. and and how there are so many citizens who are highly political but they may not be politicians so to speak yeah absolutely i mean you don't become political by uh you know po- being in possession of a, a, a membership of a, <laughs> a, a political party Pull that card out, baby. you know uh <laughs> being political means you have to be uh, conscious of yes. of of uh what is happening in, in the world around you mm. and um that you I don't need membership conscious. of anything yeah mm. So that was Ken Temba um he he was a journalist so he, he it was natural that he wouldn't be um a, a member of a political party but his intervention as a journalist uh tells you that this is someone who was very much aware of what was happening in his world at the time We've heard that shocking term clever black yep. If Ken Temba was alive today or maybe in the last 5 10 years he might have been uh painted with that brush. Yeah, absolutely. Uh at the time there were there was there's a word that they used uh, situations. Uh they described as the mere situations uh because they were black but uh due to you know the kind of education mm. that they, they they received they were somewhat elevated you mm. know because yeah. they had exposure to to the life of uh you know they interacted with white liberals for instance yeah. so they were seen as straddling both uh the black condition and and, and the mm. white privilege and you know so their situation was always precarious in that sense that they could easily fall onto the wrong side yeah depending <laughs> yeah. on who was looking at them absolutely or who yeah. was commenting on them as well yeah. we're going to go into your second song so I was a bit surprised. Babyface. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to, to to Babyface since my my high school days. Um yeah. Yeah, I I own almost every every album. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> But the, the the trouble has been to choose his song by him. I I think those who know me know that I would yeah. choose Babyface, but uh I I settled on uh Uh, you were there uh, because it's it's a song of friendship pays oh, tribute to friendship wonderful. yes great <laughs> 930u with SFM lots of uh, behind the scene conversation going on and it's not surprising our guest today is Dr. Sipiwo Mahala he's a short story writer a novelist a playwright a literary critic He plies his trade in English and in Isikose. He's the founder of Mbiza, which is a journal for African writing. Huge a fan of that. Lots of people talking about that as well. He's a playwright bloke and his American Bantu is currently being staged and we'll talk to the director as one of his guests. And of course, we also talking about Kantemba the making and breaking of an intellectual Tsotsi of the intellectual Tsotsi, which was as I mentioned a product of his doctoral thesis. How I have to say, when I think of someone writing a book of their doctoral thesis, I'm in awe. 
uh, I can see, I, I almost feel like I can see a wall with a whole lot of sticky colored <laughs> post-its, like going, okay, this chapter, this, I mean, it's insane. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, except that I think as I was writing the thesis, I already had a book in mind. You knew exactly what you were going to come out Yes, with. yes. So when the opportunity, uh, uh, the NHSS uh, yeah. advertised, you know, for, 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 for consideration of, of um, uh, you know, manuscripts for, for, for books, I mean, for a thesis to be converted into a book, so I I submitted my application and yeah it was really exciting when I I won that. Spiwa, there's so many books that do come out. There's so many non-fiction books that come out. There so many South African books. I mean we it's it's an extraordinary thing. Our our, our field of literature at the moment is very 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 um, lush and growing beautifully, if you had to think of it as a garden. But I wonder what it is about the Cantemba book that has captured the imagination of so many people. And I wonder if you could maybe think about what what, what could it be about mm. someone like him that has captured our imagination? Well, I think, first of all, Ken Temba had a, a fascinating life, uh, mm. to put it mildly. Um, he, yeah. you know, when we, his name always comes up whenever we talk about the history of short story writing in South Africa, mm. when you talk about the history of print journalism in South Africa, his name always comes up. And also now... Uh, in, in drama because his work has been adapted mm, so many times. times. But and added onto. I mean, he created the foundation with the suit and then there's so many, yourself included, people who have then taken the story further. Exactly. Our, our generation has been in conversation with him. Exactly. Uh, you think of uh, Marcos Zanakaba, you think of uh, Zuga so Savana yeah. and myself. You know, So he has this constant presence, yet we did not know his story. Yeah. You know, so, um, I mean, I was shocked myself when I found out that there was no definitive study. There was no biography of Ken Temba. And I feel privileged that to be the first to write yeah. it uh, 55 years after his passing. But in writing it, um, much as I knew that this is a product of an, an, an academic study, uh, I was very clear about you know, writing it in such a way that it is accessible to everyone. And, you know, I, I think... Th that's why there's been such a, um, a a wide reception of the book because mm -hmm. uh, whether you're coming from the um, journalism point of view or you're just a literary enthusiast, mm -hmm. um, you know it's it, it's it's a it's an, a very accessible book. Yeah. Perhaps um you know earlier on in the show we were talking about how often when someone dies it becomes a hagiography that we we simply see the good, forget the bad. And perhaps also something about Cantemba was that he was so human. I mean, you know, I didn't know that he hadn't been a, a, a drinker until he hit Drum Magazine, for example. I mean, and, and those kinds of things are, they're quite profound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my interest in him, but especially is because he he's um, a flawed human being like Which the rest of us, Yeah, you know. So, um and I felt that there is so much we can learn from his life. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, his, his legacy speaks for itself. Yeah. And we also admit that um, he, he could have done more given his, his level of uh, 
his talent and 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 uh, you know how intelligent he was. I mean, as reported by many people, yeah. he he could have. Uh, I mean, I think his best work still lied ahead. Yeah. But we are grateful for what he left us. Um, if you think of of a story like the suit. Uh, it's been there for generations, and it's a it's a runaway success. Every Whether time you see the suit, <laughs> it's just different, and that could be the direction, that could be the um, performances, but somehow that is a script which takes on a completely different life every time you see it. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you talk about the suit as a short story, as a play, as mm. a musical, and as a short film, because <sighs> there's a film featuring the the Kani dynasty, uh, uh, John Kani and his yes. son uh, Atandwa which also won some okay, major I awards. Okay, oh. I have to look for that. That I have to look <laughs> for. We're talking theatre, which means, of course, we go to your first guest, and I, I'm delighted. He is, of course, the director of the play that is currently on at the well. He's going to be part of a panel discussion with you this afternoon at the State Theatre. The play Bloke and His American Bantu is on there, and on the line is Selo Makeka Tube. Selo, what a great pleasure to be talking to you after a while. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, uh, Michelle, and uh, hi, Dr. Mahala. So I, I do have to ask you both, um, the relationship of working together as playwright and as director. I mean, one hears stories of where the playwright wants to stamp his imprint, where the director wants to stamp his imprint. But actually, this is a, this is a dance. It's a bit like a tango, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, uh, Michelle. And uh, I think what... Uh, you know, my my life uh, in the theater, I think, has two influences. One is by Gibson Canton, yes. and the second is by Barney Simon. Huh. And uh, Barney was a very collaborative uh, 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 theater pr- practitioner, you know, and I think, you know, she left that imprint on me, even though I hadn't had the opportunity of engaging it further. You know, he was, you know, uh, taking while I was actually just hoping that I would actually just, you know, learn more, hmm. uh, you know, from his process. Uh, and uh, for me, I think working with Pew, it, was, it has actually been a beautiful collaboration, first as an actor, you know, interpreting his work as an actor, and then now, you know, interpreting his work as, uh, as, a, as a director. Hmm. And uh, I think it, it has always been a to and fro, uh, and and I believe in in a collaborative way of working. You know, having left um, had the imprint left on me by Barney. Spiwa, what uh, was your experience? Collaborative, warm. Did you ever like um, cross swords or maybe do a gentle, or maybe maybe not a gentle dance, but maybe it was a dance of. Well, I I approached it with a bit of trepidation initially, yeah, Yeah. because I I never really envisioned it this way. Um, When I approached Brasillo the first time, I had uh, the early draft of of the House of Truth, yeah, and I gave it to him because I knew he was a a Ken Temper fanatic, so I just wanted to get feedback. And he said to me, I want, uh, to, do this. I want to do this. Yeah. And I thought he was playing with me. He said, on condition that you con- you, you turn it into a one-man play, because there were several yeah. characters. So I uh, 
I thought, no, it's his way of saying, no, I can't, I can't, I can't work with you. This has no potential. But <laughs> I, I decided to take it as a challenge. So yeah. I rewrote it as a one-man play. And as you can imagine, a one-man play is a huge challenge because, yeah. you know, you have one person to sustain, you know, <laughs> the narrative. So I did it, gave it to him, and... Well, the rest is history. <laughs> so, no, how did you? What made you make that decision to say this is this is a one-man play and not uh, an, an ensemble work? I think you know the way I, I when I read it, I actually found that you know the narrative was you know central or um, centralized on Kentemba and all these other people were just you know bouncing off him. Yeah. You know, and considering the constraints of producing theater as well. Yeah. You know, uh, and I put that in, and I said, but you know what? This is a story that needs to be told. And uh, if we are going to maybe hang on to, um, you know, trying to make it as an ensemble, you know, we actually stand the risk of actually not having this work produced. You know, and as much as he thought that, that was, it was my way of saying no, you know, it was my way of saying this is an important story to be told, and I've, we've got to make sure that it's told. So let's, you know, reduce it to a one-hander and even offer my services, hmm. you know, to, <laughs> you know, to be part of the project. Of the project. To, to take the red, the red pen. <laughs> now I know. Uh, but uh, I've, I've, I've been more confident in approaching him with uh, this, uh, uh, you know, yeah, the, 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 the script of Bloke and his American Bantu because I felt like, um, you know, the way he interpreted the House of Truth mm. I knew, you know, his approach to 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 plays that he he wants that intimate connection with the yeah. story, because really to me, I mean, it's it's about uh, depicting those emotions, you know, and and I think he managed to, uh, you know, infuse that, you know, the actors. I mean, sure. I want uh, to talk really about meeting. the actors because I think that that's uh, it's, it's a question to both of you. Um, having many hundreds of years ago been in that profession of acting, I always wonder when a director and a writer are, are on the lookout for the character, um, for the person who will play the part, what are you looking for? I mean, you're not necessarily looking for someone who looks like the person or you're looking for something else. Cello, what were you looking for? For now, Let's look at Bloke. You know, when when I look for an actor, um, Michelle, I look for somebody who can connect with his own emotions and life experience. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and and that, again, was something that I learned from Barney. Yeah. You know, and, and Barney had this thing that you've got to permit yourself what you know. And uh, it, for me, it is something so uh, uh, fundamental that um, when an actor, in fact, I think for me, even just the training of an actor, first and foremost, before you engage him in anything, first he's got to be have an ability of observing life around himself, mm. you know, and then be able to observe himself, in you know, life. or herself, you know, in how they um, basically, what, what they, uh, the, 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 how they experience emotion, how they actually relate to life, their own natural rhythm. Yeah. Because you need yourself in order to be able to interpret all the other roles. So for me, my first point of uh, connection with an actor, basically, 
it is um, you know it is it, it is that that does this person have a life experience that they can relate to and connect to because on the page there is only but words you know and a series of actions are you going to be able to use yourself to translate that series of actions and give it the, give it life through yourself that is my approach but what was interesting in the casting of um, of uh, especially Langston, you know, yeah. and we had a conversation, me and Steve, and, uh, and because I had, uh, and the person that I had in mind, you know, was the person that he also had in mind. But, uh, and I said, no, I've got this guy that I want, you know, I think that he will actually uh, do uh, Langston. Sure. And he yes, and he said, no, me too, I have a guy, <laughs> you know, that has, you know, that I want to, you know, to play bloke. I mean, to play Langston. Yeah. And I sent a picture of the of, of uh, Josiah Mulele. You know, and says, yes, that's the guy that I'm talking about. So, so we were, I think, basically in harmony from the onset, you know. And uh, But Anela, Anela was a newfound. Yeah. And I think I watched a, a clip, um, a video clip that he sent, and uh, I could see a spark of life. And uh, something there was something uh, very malleable about him that I saw in his performance, and yeah, and here you know, as we say, the rest is history. history. But I must say that you aptly uh, coined Spiwa as the Renaissance man. I still don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, you you explained explained to modern Renaissance man is. Say, say again, Miss. Explain to him what the Renaissance man is, because he says he doesn't know what it means. You, you know, if I, you, you know, you you said. Uh, I think you said yes. in the show yeah. uh, that um, you know, and, and uh, the, the spewer them. They are actually, um, I would say, spewer. I would say, Jambeka um, Nukaitobi, and a lot yes. of uh, writers who are actually doing, I mean, writing non-fiction stuff. You know, we are actually don't realize it, uh, but as, as they say. An actor is not a good judge of himself, you know. Huh. And huh. basically, Excellent. at the present moment, we are undergoing a renaissance of some sort and a reconnection with the past, you know, and also defining what the future should be like. I love that. And I love that uh, you are able to explain because uh, people goes, no, I don't know what that means. But actually, it's exactly what you say. Is it, it's, it's, it feels like something really, really fresh and vibrant and powerful actually it feels incredibly powerful that we have i mean you mention um Timbeke Ngukatobi, and i'm thinking of yeah his, the great books that he's written the land is ours and others but but as you say these people that are like well like they are doing so much but drawing all the threads together and weaving an incredibly powerful um fabric that could become our country if we really address it uh, and look at it in a way that 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 is appropriate. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, for me, I mean, you know, uh, I'm actually happy to be living through this period. I just wish, you know, God could just give me another twenty. Sure. <laughs> we hope you that have it. we have no doubt that uh, if you continue doing the great work you do, that He will give you exactly that. Selo, we're going to leave you there as we go to um, Spiro's second guest. But I want to say thank you so much for making the time and uh, good luck for the panel discussion this afternoon.
I always Thank think that's me. fantastic when you have a play and then you get the opportunity to hear the director and the writer and you just get the opportunity to get such amazing insights. Well, I'm, I'm humbled, really. Uh, especially, I'm not just a director. Uh, Brasilo is someone I grew up watching on TV. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> never Another asked, renaissance. I ever dreamed that I would, uh, yeah. I would, I would work with him yeah. this way. Yeah. Cello, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. We're going to go to your second guest, and we've had her on the show um, a while back. She wrote and uh, the most extraordinary women's, not women's, children's book, which I absolutely loved when I looked at it. I loved what it told us about being South African. I loved the fact that it spoke to the history of this country, and it feels as though today is so profoundly about our history and indeed our future. The book was um, The Soweto Tea Party, and your guest is Dr. Nokatula Msimang. Talk to us about that relationship. Dr. Nokatula Msimang, Mazubuko Msimang, sorry. <laughs> well, I first met her at, at VETS uh, in 2002, um, where I, I, I went to do my master's. She was already a, a, a PhD student. She was my senior, and she's always been my sister that way. And she's on the line as we speak. Good morning, Michelle and um, Dr. Sipuwa Mahala. Um, and thank you for your wonderful, wonderful show. And um, Dr. Mahala, I'm not going to let you speed past calling me your senior. Michelle, you always does this. <laughs> you always does this. But anyway, let, let me let, leave that alone for now. And Michelle, thank you for your wonderful show and for your wonderful words. So and um, I have being to invited ask, to the show. When you two yes. call each other, do you call each other Doc? Well, we do. I call him Doc. I call him uh, Mshega Z and, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of other, other names. But yeah, I'm very privileged to be his colleague and his friend. I do have to ask you, um, Dr. Msmang, you know, we, we woke up this morning to hearing the news of the passing of um, Ma'am Jessie Duarte. And mm. I, I'm, I'm thinking of it because I'm thinking of your book, The Soweto Tea Party. You know, which yeah. does talk so much to this history. It's, I mean, it's an imaginary tea party, but it's also not. Um, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how you would respond to that, given your own history, your father, Fanyana Mazibuko. Just talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, condolences to, you know, mom, um family, you know, um, her comrades, you know, um, they have uh, their generation, um, you know, uh, really lived through a war zone. You know, um, all of us did. You know, um, and uh, what is uh, interesting, obviously, about the work that I do and the work of biography that uh, Dr. Mahala does and his uh, short stories mm. is really to take us back. Um, in time so that we we understand yes. our history you know um war is a complicated business uh you know one of um uh, dr mahala's short stories is called um uh, 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 um uh, what is it the one about the, the young boys told dr the mahala told. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes the one in in, in red apple uh, tree so that traumatized yeah. yes in red apple it, that traumatized me so much oh, sorry. and i think this is 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 is, is the, the the important work that dr mahala does of writing our history and mm. introducing young and old to south african classics to african classics you know so, and I think really Doc Mahala, you know, has his place 
in, in that long line of, of African literature greats, you know, mm. your, your Bessie Head, who, who, who wrote about the history of Botswana, your Zekin Patela, you know, his, his wonderful book on Ken Temba, the making and breaking of the intellectual. So, the, you know, Michelle, mark my words, this is a South African classic in the making. You know, uh, and that's how I really, you know, appreciate uh, his historical narrative, both in biography and in writing the South African short story. So I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall on your conversations together, because I'm sure that, Nokatule, um, if I may call you that, um, your research into culture and society in the 50s and 60s, Spiro's uh, uh, own research, but, but those conversations, where did they where did they go to? What were you playing with uh, together when you when you spoke? You know, as I say, if as a fly on the wall. Um, Spiwa, I'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Doctor uh, Mazbuam Simang is a bully. Um, <laughs> 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 I can't so believe you said she, she that. She always I dictates terms, but uh, <laughs> we have this common interest. Um, you know, particularly mm-hmm. in the 50s, um, she she has been working on documenting uh, uh, the life of Dolera Tebe. Mm. Um, I hope we can put pressure on her to release that book by next year. Uh, but I think she has had this privilege of interacting with some of these people, mm. including the likes of Miriam Makeba. Mm. Um, and I also, you know, was lucky to interact with the likes of... Uh, Eskiam Patele, Luis Ngosi, Professor Kirapisosile. Even though my subject, uh, which is Ken Temba, I never got an opportunity to, to, to actually have direct interactions with him. So mm-hmm. uh, I think our approach to things is, is similar, and we also have a, a, the same training because we, we are the products of our Vets University African Literature Department. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'd been a fly on the wall, um, Dr. Mazibuko Insamai? Well, I mean, you know how sweet I am, Michelle. So that <laughs> no. comment about me being a, a I mean, I'm the sweetest person, right? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know me. I'm extremely sweet. But anyway, I, I, I have to say that a Doc Mahalam, a work of the 50s, you know, and excavating all those books, you know, inspired my biography that I'm working on, on Mam Dolirater, mm. you know. Um, so last year, you will remember that um, Jaya's where Dr. Mala is located, uh, the Institute, uh, the Johannesburg Institute uh, for Advanced Studies, yes. uh, had a, a, a colloquium celebrating 70 years of drum. And Doc presented some of the work that he's doing on Blok uh, Mudisane, and of course, um, his uh, biography on Ken Temba, which was still being finalized then, you know. And I presented a, a paper on the mega divas of Sophia Town. So, and my session was called More Than Just Songbirds, you know. So, of course, we admire their beauty. We admire that they, that they were, they were pinners, you know. But there were so much more. There were composers. There were musicians. They were fantastic, you know. So, I thought, you know what, I'm going to follow in Doc Mahala's footsteps and also research the life and time 
of Mam Dolira Tebe. Of course, Miriam Makeba's biography has already been done by the fabulous Samsam Wamuka, yes. you know. Uh, so I thought uh, I'm going to, to take a chance, you know. And of course, uh, the University of Pretoria loved uh, the proposal. And I'm now based at the Future Africa Institute. Oh, amazing uh, institute. Pressured by the likes of Dr. Bahala to finish the Mam Dolira Tebe biography. You, you should feel pressure <laughs> by them because that also that institute is just doing such incredible work around yeah. different yeah. platforms. And I love, you know, I'm completely fascinated with this idea that how you could look at so many different cross-sectoral partnerships. And I love that they, that they address that as well. So that's amazing. I want yeah, to, fantastic. We, we, I want to ask you both. I mean, I listen to you both talk. And first of all, I'm in awe of both of you and, and your ability to produce this extraordinary work. What I'm also in awe of is your deep respect. And, you know, I feel as though sometimes we've, we've lost that respect. Um, we, we were talking a few weeks ago about the politics of spectacle and how brutal that sometimes is and how it, it lacks respect even for those that we may not agree with or whatever the case may be. And I, I, I want to really applaud you both for, for, for that deep respect. How do we find our way back into it? How did you find your way to it as well? Where, where does it come from? Spiwell. Well, I, I think generally for me, it's, um, you know, the appreciation of what the next person is doing mm. and, and how, how mm. certain people touch our lives. You know, um, what I've never said is that the first time I saw my name in a PhD dissertation, it was... Uh, uh, Noctula's dissertation, where oh, she amazing. acknowledged me as the, it was one of the people who supported her. And yeah. I had this thing in me that uh, much as at the time, I, I just wanted to finish a degree and, and find a job. <laughs> but, mm. you know, to see my name in a, in a PhD uh, dissertation uh, made me eager to have my own dissertation. And, um, yeah, so years later, I knew it, it took a while, but I finally went back to school to, to pursue my doctoral studies, and that was partly inspired by what I saw in Nuktula's uh, uh, dissertation. And also, I suppose, well, that look at the past as well. Like, let's uh, take a good, respectful look at our heritage as well. And I don't say respectful easily because I, maybe there's some, you know, things that, that shouldn't be respected necessarily. But it is, it's a concept as well. Nuktula, what would you... Yeah. No, Michelle, you know, I was going to say, hey, thank you for picking up on, on, on that. I think it's, you know, Ubuntu Beitu. I mean, yeah. it's such an over, overused term, yeah. you know. But yeah. I really think I'm, I'm a great believer in just, you know, one flame uh, bringing light, you know. Yeah. So, A. Doc Mahana, A. Michelle Constant, you know, your producer, Bondosh, you know, we, I think we, we kind of find each other to say, oh, this is a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> and we latch onto each other. So, you know, let's not lose hope. Um, just that one flame, you know, just that one kind word, that one, you know. And of course, tomorrow is, is Mandela Day, you know. Yes. Tata, Tata, in a lot of ways, went against the grain. You know, when people were saying, war, 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 Tata was saying, peace, 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 you know. And a lot of people are saying, oh, Tata was selling out, whatever, you know. So I think it just takes one or two people to be brave enough to be kind, you know, to be yeah. brave enough to be respectful. You know, when everybody is uh, throwing things and being, you know, uh, just dramatic, you yeah. know, uh, one courageous soul can say, hey, you know what, uh, uh, let's chill, you know, and, and, and try to, to find peace and prosperity so that our children can, can you know, live in a better world. Yeah, that's, you, it's, I find that very moving.
Dr. Nokatula Mabusa Misamang, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to leave the last word to you, Dr. Sapiwo Mahala. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Actually, Nokatula is talking about uh, Dada Mandela and, uh, you know, uh, my my memory of him is that uh, he's, he was probably the last old man to tell me that I'm, I'm handsome. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the truth behind it, but uh, he made me feel good about myself. And you are. You've got salt and pepper. You're like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, this is, has been really wonderful. Um, you know, I haven't really had time to reflect on the work that I've done over the past year. And... People have been saying, I've done a lot, but now, you know, realizing that, you know, in just a space of one year, um, I have a play out. I have a new block in his American Bantu, the Ken Temba, um, oh, uh, the making and baking of the New Hatozi, as well as... It's too uh, much! Uh, four issues of Imbiza, and the, the next issue, the latest issue is coming out in a, in a week's time. Um, uh, we have uh, Zeksimda on the cover. <gasps> Uh, Dr. Nogutula Mazibuko Simang has written the lead story on Zeksumda. Um, yeah, so it's really, really exciting. It's, it's, uh, it's a very exciting moment of my life, I think. Well, yeah. we applaud you both and we <laughs> applaud uh, all your guests and thank you so much for making the time. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for the news. It's no longer good morning. It's now goodbye.